For the Greater Glory of God, a retreat guide on St. Ignatius Loyola, written by Father John Pietropoli, L.C., and presented by Father John Bartunic, L.C. Introduction St. John Paul II observed that for people of faith, there are no coincidences, only aspects of God's providence that we have not yet fully understood. Another way of putting it is to say that there are no coincidences, only God incidences. Among these God incidences, one of the most remarkable is the story of St. Ignatius Loyola. For the world would be very different indeed if a cannonball had not struck him at the Battle of Pamplona in 1521, shattering his leg and confining him to bed for the next six months. During his convalescence, the young Spaniard had ample time to reflect about the meaning of his life, about time and eternity, and above all, about God. And more than his leg was healed. By the time he recovered, he had decided to live no longer for himself, but for God. And the echoes of his choice appear in the motto forever associated with his name, for the greater glory of God. In this retreat guide, we'll explore what those words meant for his life and what they can mean for ours. In the first meditation, we'll reflect on St. Ignatius as a pilgrim seeking the greater glory of God and draw out several virtues necessary for our own pilgrimage through life. In the second meditation, we'll look at how St. John the Baptist, a kindred spirit of St. Ignatius, taught his followers to seek the greater glory of God. And finally, the conference will delve into the examine prayer, a practical tool St. Ignatius warmly recommended in order to see God's action in our lives and respond with faith, with hope, and with love. Let's begin by turning to the Holy Spirit in the quiet of our hearts and asking Him to guide us in this retreat. First Meditation The Pilgrim In various books and speeches, Pope Benedict XVI insisted that the saints are the most compelling demonstration of Christianity. As the preface of the saints in the Mass puts it, their great example lends us courage, their fervent prayers sustain us in all we do. Let's unpack that for a moment. It doesn't mean that we're called to imitate the saints in every detail. Obviously, a parent with small children can't travel around Europe seeking the glory of God as St. Ignatius Loyola did, but we can seek God's glory in our everyday life. So the saints fill us with a courageous hope that we too can love God with every fiber of our being. The saints remind us that Christ is the pearl of great price and that our hearts are restless until they rest in Him. The saints inspire us to begin again and to make a gift of our lives to God and to others. Let's keep that in mind as we journey with St. Ignatius, a pilgrim seeking the glory of God. Until a well-aimed cannonball shattered his leg, Ignatius Loyola seemed to have it made. He came from a prominent family. His prospects for fame and wealth looked excellent. But after his injury, he discovered something, someone, who captivated his heart and made everything else seem insignificant. He met Jesus Christ and heard him say, 
follow me. This is how it came about. As he was lying in bed convalescing, for months on end, he asked for some books to relieve the boredom. In his autobiography, Ignatius describes how he was very fond of reading tales of knightly gallantry and courtly romance, but fortunately, in the house they only had books about Christ and the saints. He began to read them in desperation and found something he had never expected. He found a king worth more than the world and all it contained. And so as soon as he recovered, Ignatius went to the Marian shrine of Montserrat outside of Barcelona and hung up his arms and armor as an offering to Our Lady. From then on, he would dedicate his life not to his own glory, but to the glory of the one who loved him and gave his life for him. Life, however, is never quite that simple, and Ignatius still had to learn what it really means to follow the Lord. He had to learn, as the saying goes, how to let go and let God. He had to learn to trust to abandon himself to God's plans. And this is a wonderful lesson we can learn from St. Ignatius. He knew that God wanted him to be a saint. He knew that holiness is what gives most glory to God. He also knew that there was a place called the Holy Land. And so logically, he decided that in order to become holy, the surest bet was to go to the Holy Land. He was also filled with a desire to see the land where his beloved Lord had lived and walked. Things, however, did not work out as he planned. Shortly after his conversion, he did, in fact, visit the Holy Land, but the unstable political conditions thwarted his plans to live there, and he was forced to return to Spain. Over the next few years, he studied and prepared for the priesthood, but he never relinquished his dream to live and die in the Holy Land. In fact, 17 years later, in 1538, St. Ignatius and the first Jesuits, members of the religious order that he founded, waited in vain for a ship to take them to Palestine. And it was only then, as he put it, that he realized God was asking him to dedicate his life to service in Rome instead of in the Holy Land. He learned to let go of a cherished dream in order to follow the Lord. St. Ignatius offers a living example of St. Paul's maxim in Romans 8.28, In everything, God works for the good for those who love him. The Lord's plans are the surest path to joy. When we let go and follow him, when we choose his glory and not our own, we discover true joy. Another great inspiration from St. Ignatius is his faithful perseverance. Living for God's glory and not for our own is not easy. It brings us joy, but it also requires faithful perseverance through the ups and downs of life. Shortly after his conversion, St. Ignatius realized that he needed to study more in order to be able to help people draw closer to God. Since all theology studies in the 16th century were conducted in Latin, he would have to learn Latin. Imagine this scene. A proud former caballero, aged 33, sitting in a classroom with little boys learning Latin declensions. The word humiliating comes to mind. But St. Ignatius wasn't concerned with his own glory. This was for the Lord who loved him. Ignatius also found it difficult to study due to the steady stream of people asking for his advice about prayer and the spiritual life. That 
and troubles with the Spanish Inquisition, who suspected him of heresy, forced him to move from Barcelona to Alcalá to Salamanca and eventually to Paris. To complicate things even more, he suffered from severe kidney stones, but he persevered and finished his degree in theology. Here's another example of his faithful perseverance in following the Lord's call. He knew God wanted him to form a group of companions, friends in the Lord is how he described them, who could help him to bring God's love to others. He tried several times, but each time the group fell apart. In fact, one of his companions who, like Ignatius, had resolved upon a life of poverty, went to the West Indies and returned quite wealthy. But Ignatius did not give up, and in Paris he finally met the men who had formed the beginnings of the Society of Jesus, now commonly known as the Jesuits. There's a deep lesson for each of us here. As the letter to the Hebrews puts it, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Let's bring all of this to the Lord now and invite him to speak, for we are listening. In his spiritual exercises, St. Ignatius offers us a beautiful prayer to help us enter into a conversation with the Lord who loves us. It summarizes his entire experience of God, and it may be a helpful way for you to enter into your own conversation with Christ. It goes like this. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty. I give you my memory, my intellect, and my entire will. You have given me everything that I am or have. Now I give it all back to stand under your will alone. Your love and your grace are enough for me. I ask for nothing more. The following questions and quotations may also be helpful for your prayer. Questions for your personal reflection and group discussion. What does it mean for me to dedicate my life to the greater glory of God? Where is the Lord asking me to trust, let go and follow his plans? Is there some cherished dream he could be asking me to surrender to him? Where is that faithful perseverance in my relationship with God most challenging right now? How does he want to speak to that and strengthen me? Three quotations to help your meditation. John chapter 15, verses seven through 11. And Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Catechism of the Catholic Church number 30. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Although man can forget God or reject him, he never ceases to call every man to seek him so as to find life and happiness. But this search for God demands of man every effort of intellect, a sound will, an upright heart, as well as the witness of others who teach him to seek God. St. Ignatius Loyola, The Spiritual Exercises. Man is created to praise, reverence, and serve God our Lord, and by this means save his soul. All other things on the face of the earth are created for man to help him fulfill the end for which he is created. Second Meditation, Behold the Lamb of God. Introduction. Let's begin this meditation with a well-known passage from the Gospel of John. The next day, again John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following, and said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So, you are Simon the son of John? You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. John chapter 1, verses 35 through 42. Like St. Ignatius, St. John the Baptist dedicated his life to the greater glory of God. Let's look at some of the ways he can help us to do the same. St. Ignatius Loyola once wrote, Few people understand what God would accomplish in them if they were to entrust themselves unreservedly to him and if they were to allow his grace to mold them accordingly. And for that to happen, we need to be ready. Notice that St. John the Baptist is standing with his two disciples. That posture indicates attentiveness, readiness and a willingness to move. He's not sluggish. He isn't exactly sure what God will ask him to do, but he's willing to accept and follow whatever it might be. God can work wonders with that attitude. And as soon as he sees Jesus, John the Baptist recognizes who and what he is. His heart is ready. Jesus hopes to find that same attitude in us today. He wants to help our hearts to be alert and attentive to his voice in our lives. If we're standing up, like St. John the Baptist, spiritually speaking, we'll be ready to follow his lead when he passes by. 
Jesus said that among those born of woman, none was greater than John the Baptist. But what was his true greatness? It was this. He did not seek his own glory, but only the glory of God. Imagine this moment. John is there with two of his most cherished disciples. He sees Jesus walk by and is faced with a choice. Will he try to cling to these friends, thereby attempting to secure their affirmation and his own glory, or will he give them back to the Lord? His response is powerful. John does not hesitate, but points Jesus out to them and says, Behold, the Lamb of God. In other words, he is saying, There is the one you are seeking. Follow him. He gives them permission. Indeed, he encourages them to follow Christ. In our own lives, the Lord will often ask us to give someone or something we cherish back to him. Friends, children, memories, hopes. When we surrender them and give them back to the God who loves us, we can truly say with John the Baptist and with St. Ignatius Loyola and with all the friends of God, now my joy is full. Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger commented on this reality very beautifully in his homily at St. John Paul II's funeral. Referring to the late Holy Father's appointment as Auxiliary Bishop of Krakow, Poland, the future Pope Benedict XVI said, Follow me. Karol Wojtyła accepted the appointment, for he heard in the Church's call the voice of Christ. And then he realized how true are the Lord's words. Those who try to make their life secure will lose it, but those who lose their life will keep it. Our Pope, and we all know this, never wanted to make his own life secure, to keep it for himself. He wanted to give of himself unreservedly to the very last moment for Christ and thus also for us. Those words would have resonated with St. John the Baptist and with St. Ignatius. The Lord wants to make them resonate in us too. John's disciples follow Jesus. He turns and sees them, and he asks them a question. Jesus often begins with a question. What are you looking for? Who do you say that I am? Do you believe that I can do this? He invites us to open our hearts to him, and he truly wants to hear the answer. When we hear our own lips form a response, our desire for God grows and is clarified. Our entire life is a journey, a pilgrimage with the Lord, and Jesus loves this journey. When you're climbing a mountain with someone you love, you don't only enjoy the summit. You are delighted with the time spent with the other, and it's all part of the relationship. This human experience is a tiny reflection of our relationship with God. Intimacy with the Lord doesn't have to wait till heaven. So the questions Jesus asks all of us throughout our lives are meant to help us to enter into a deeper dialogue of love with Him. We too can answer Christ's question with our own question. Lord, where are you staying? And we too hear that wonderful response. Come and see. In the first meditation, we saw how St. Ignatius Loyola's relationship with Christ expanded to include others. In the same way, once John the Baptist's disciples, who, incidentally, were the future apostles St. Andrew and St. John the Evangelist, meet Jesus, they feel impelled to tell others. Andrew invites his brother Simon to meet the Lord, 
and Simon receives a new name and a new mission. And so it goes. We are all links in the chain of grace, stretching from Christ until the end of the world. To encounter Christ implies a mission to share his love. And by fulfilling that mission, we're living for the greater glory of God. Jesus sees each one of us now as we follow him. He turns and he asks us, what do you seek? Strengthened by the prayers of St. Ignatius and St. John the Baptist, we come to tell him whatever's in our hearts. The following quotations and questions may help you do that. Questions for personal reflection and group discussion. What is my attitude now? How could the Lord be asking me to stand ready for his approach? What is the Lord asking me to surrender to his loving care? It could be a relationship, a dream, a fear. Speak with him about that. What is my mission in life and how does Christ want to help me to grow in that? Three quotations to help your meditation. Psalm 115. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness, why should the nation say, where is their God? O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any that go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. St. Ignatius Loyola, Surrender the loftiest part of yourselves, your wills and intellects. In that way, the true knowledge and love of God our Lord may possess you wholly and direct your souls throughout the course of this pilgrimage, until at last he leads you and many others through you to everlasting bliss. St. Augustine you are great, O Lord, and greatly to be praised. Great is your power, and your wisdom is without measure. And man, so small a part of your creation, wants to praise you. This man, though clothed with mortality and bearing the evidence of sin, and the proof that you withstand the proud. Despite everything, man, though but a small part of your creation, wants to praise you. You yourself encourage him to delight in your praise. For you have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you.
circumference, finding God in all things. The Examine Prayer. Introduction. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, St. Paul reminds all of us, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. St. Ignatius strove to live this injunction and to constantly seek what gave God greater glory in any given situation. Clearly, this implied a remarkable awareness of God's presence. And in fact, St. Ignatius attained such a remarkable sensitivity in this regard that his companion said he could truly find God in all things, in an orange blossom, in an important letter that didn't arrive on time, in pedestrians walking down a busy Roman street. One of his spiritual sons, the French Jesuit Jean-Pierre de Cossard, got to the heart of this in his book Abandonment to Divine Providence when he commented that the realization that God is active in all that happens at every moment is the deepest knowledge in this life of the things of God. But how does this realization happen? Is it reserved for the spiritual elite? St. Ignatius Loyola would emphatically reply that it's meant for every Catholic. Obviously, he wasn't familiar with Vatican II's terminology of the universal call to holiness, but he taught it nonetheless. In fact, he frequently ended his letters with, I end by praying God our Lord to give us out of his infinite goodness abundant grace to perceive his holy will and to fulfill it to the uttermost. And St. Ignatius offers us something else. He taught a simple daily prayer to help us perceive God's voice, to understand what he is saying, and to respond with faith, with hope, and with love. That prayer is the examine prayer, and it's what we'll explore in this conference. The examine prayer, as St. Ignatius outlined it, consists of five simple steps. Gratitude, petition, review, forgiveness, and renewal. Here, we're all indebted to Father Timothy Gallagher for his book, The Examine Prayer, which masterfully explains the examine prayer and its different steps. Let's look at the first step, gratitude. As we begin this prayer, we take a minute or two to gather our thoughts. We recall that we're in the presence of God, who loves us and watches over us. Christ is with us. As St. John Paul II remarked in a Wednesday audience, the revelation of Trinitarian glory in the Incarnation is not a simple stroke of lightning that cleaves the darkness for an instant. Rather, it is the seed of divine life forever deposited within the world and in the hearts of men. Gratitude helps us to recognize that God is active in our lives. Gratitude opens our hearts to the Lord's personal saving action. Gratitude helps us to see the world and the events of our lives with sacramental eyes. St. Ignatius famously said that we sooner tire of receiving God's gifts than he of giving them. By consciously choosing to thank God for his daily gifts, we ensure that we do not grow weary of receiving his love. Let's get down to brass tacks. It's important to be specific when we thank God. Imagine a family member gives you a gift for your birthday. In the thank you note, it's reasonable to mention the gift for which you're grateful. In the same way, as we pray this first step of the examine prayer, it's good to thank God for particular gifts. 
The second step of the examine prayer is petition. In other words, we ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that we can see our day as He saw it. This is a very important step since prayer is not an analysis but a loving relationship. Prayer is not an exchange of ideas or concepts. Prayer is an exchange of persons. And as such, prayer is a gift which exceeds our own strength. In this step, we ask the Lord to do what we cannot do for ourselves. We ask Him to help us see what He wants us to see. We ask Him to help us feel what He wants us to feel as we look at our day together with Him. Jesus tells us in the Gospel of Matthew, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. The Lord truly wants us to grow in our relationship with Him, and this step activates our hope in His promise. How do we make this petition? It can be as simple as saying, Jesus, I trust in your promises. You told us that whoever asks receives. I ask you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, to help me to see my day as you saw it. Let me see whatever you want me to see. Let me hear your voice in the different experiences of my day. And let me discern how you are calling me to grow in my relationship with you. Then we're ready for the third step, review. In union with the Lord, we prayerfully review the day that has transpired. You've probably figured out by now that the examined prayer usually happens at the end of the day. There are two simple ways of doing this, the movie or the snapshot. The movie approach is to take a chronological review of our day, letting it unfold like a movie going from one scene to the next. Usually, we'll come to a scene in which we feel the need to hit pause. Maybe it was an experience of joy. Maybe it was an experience of sadness or guilt. But we want to speak with the Lord about that and ask Him, to help us see what he's trying to tell us. The snapshot approach involves going directly to a particularly intense moment of our day and prayerfully reviewing that. As we begin the examine prayer, we may realize that we don't need to use the movie approach since there's something that stands out in our heart and mind. We go directly there with the Lord, asking him to help us understand what he's trying to tell us through that. Whichever approach we use, this step focuses on asking, what is God trying to tell me through this experience, this thought, this feeling? St. Ignatius offers a helpful example in his autobiography. As he was convalescing after the encounter with the cannonball, he began to notice two conflicting aspirations. At times, he would daydream about impressing some lady at the Spanish court, and he would feel excitement and a sense of joy. At other moments, he would daydream about becoming a saint and doing great things for Christ, and he felt a similar excitement and joy. Upon reflection, however, he realized that the feeling of peace surrounding the thoughts of courtly love lasted only as long as the thought itself persisted, and then he felt empty. But the feeling of peace around the thought of holiness lasted even after he ceased actively considering it. Thus, he began to learn how to listen to God's voice and to discern what the Lord was trying to tell him and how to follow him. The fourth step of the examine prayer is to ask for forgiveness. As we review our day, we will notice parts of our lives that don't yet fully belong to the Lord. 
we will realize that we were not completely open to what He wanted to do in us and through us. We will notice that at times we did not respond in love to God and others. And this realization of our weakness can become a place of encounter with the Lord who loves us. It creates a memory stone of His mercy. In chapter 4 of the book of Joshua, the people of Israel enter the Promised Land after 40 years in the desert. When they cross the Jordan River, Joshua tells them to set up 12 memory stones so that they remember the marvelous deeds God has done for them. When we ask God for forgiveness, we're setting up memory stones so that our entire life gradually becomes a memory of His merciful love. We all have wounds from our sins, and the devil tries to use those memories to beat us. You could say he's a boxer with two punches. First of all, the jab. He's always jabbing us with temptations to resentment, anger, frustration, envy. And then he follows the jabs with an uppercut of discouragement. The memory stone of God's mercy is a protection against that. And when we ask God's forgiveness in the examine prayer and then in the sacrament of reconciliation, we discover that the place of the wound has become a place of intimate encounter with God. And now we come to the fifth step of the examine prayer, renewal. God wants us to grow. In fact, as Bishop Fulton Sheen used to put it, in the Christian life, there are no plateaus. We're either going up or we're going down. The examine prayer, then, is aimed at action. How is the Lord asking me to respond to His love? In this fifth step, we take the insight the Holy Spirit has given us in the examine prayer and look towards the future. Tomorrow, how can I live with more faith, with more hope, and with more love? Perhaps today I lost my temper with someone, and I know that I'm going to see the same person tomorrow. I might resolve to pray for that person before the encounter. I might decide to ask the Holy Spirit for the gift of fortitude to help me to respond with love. I might realize that I need to ask that person for forgiveness. Or maybe I sense that the Holy Spirit is inviting me to spend more time with sacred scripture. Perhaps I read a few lines from the Bible today and they filled my heart with peace and light. I reflected on that experience and realized that God was speaking to me. And now I may decide to spend five minutes tomorrow with sacred scripture. This step of the examine is the bridge between the prayer and our everyday life. It enables us to respond with a growing love to the situations the Lord allows in our lives. It enables us to fulfill His loving plan for our lives and to always give Him permission to act in us and through us. An example from St. Ignatius himself might help. He once told the first Jesuits, if the Holy Father were to suppress the Society of Jesus, I think I would need only 15 minutes to regain my peace. And founding the Society of Jesus was something he had dedicated himself to heart and soul. Yet he brought the possibility to prayer and talked it over with the Lord, and so was prepared for the moment in 1555 when Cardinal Carafa was elected as Pope Paul IV. Cardinal Carafa was, to put it mildly, not especially fond of St. Ignatius Loyola or the Jesuits. His election could mean the end of the order. In fact, when St. Ignatius learned of the new pope, those with him said that his face fell and changed notably. 
He went immediately to the chapel, however, and later returned looking as cheerful and as contented as though the election had been just what he wanted. And he dedicated himself and the Jesuits to serving Pope Paul IV. This was possible because he reflected on what God was trying to tell him, and he renewed his resolve to serve the Church unstintingly. To sum up, a daily examine prayer is a privileged way to find God's presence in all things and to respond in a way that seeks His glory. The five steps are gratitude, petition, review, forgiveness, and renewal. How long should it last? Usually around 10 to 15 minutes is a good length of time. That ensures enough time to enter into the prayer with its five steps. When should we pray this prayer? St. Ignatius urged us to pray it every day. The evening is often a good time, since we can look back over the day and prepare for the next day. Some people pray it right before bed. Others pray it right after dinner. Still others find that the best time is during their lunch break or even in the morning. In the end, what's most important is that we pray it. If we persevere in praying the examined prayer every day, we will find that God's action becomes gradually more perceptible to us. We begin to find Him in all things and in all people and to grow in our desire and in our ability to live for the greater glory of God. The following questions may help you discern what attitudes and practical resolutions our Lord is inspiring in your heart through this retreat guide. Personal Questionnaire What idea or ideas resonated the most with me today? What could the Lord be telling me with that? What am I seeking? In what way or ways is the Lord asking me to let go and trust in Him in my own life? What area of my relationship with the Lord requires special perseverance right now? How is He calling me to respond to His love with my own? What's one particular resolution the Lord is inspiring in my heart after this retreat? Here, I would warmly suggest deciding to pray the examine prayer each day. If you do, it's crucial to pick a specific time each day to pray it. Further reading. St. Ignatius Loyola, The Pilgrim Years, by Father James Broderick, S.J. The Examine Prayer, by Father Timothy Gallagher. Human Frailty, Divine Redemption, by Father Marco Rupnik. If you like this retreat, please help support future retreat guides by making a donation at rcspirituality.org. Retreat guides are a service of Regnum Christi, regnumchristi.org.
Retreat guides are produced by Coronation. Coronationmedia.com.